Hey, and welcome to Tomorrow. I'm your host, Joshua Topolsky. Today on the podcast, we discuss dictatorships, club bangers, and Whole Foods. I don't want to waste one minute. Let's get right into it. Yes, Ryan, we're back. Old old style, original style, classic. Podcast classic. Tomorrow classic. Well, I will say it's version five of tomorrow, but yeah, classic in reference the most, to how yeah. things have been. Mm. Mm. Sorry, I was just taking a sip of this delicious water uh, that I have provided for myself out of a refrigerator. In your rider? In my rider, yeah. Must have water. <laughs> um, anyhow, a lot of shit going on in the world right now. A lot of things happening. Oh boy. A lot of stuff to discuss. Um, got this, the most, the worst Bernie, uh, hashtag ever trending. I don't know if it's trending. It's like hot boys for Bernie. And it's like every, it's like every, um, like not hot, uh, bro from Williamsburg in my timeline being like, I'll give you a kiss if you vote for Bernie. And it's like, buddy, I don't want a kiss from you. Even ironically, I don't want to imagine it. Well, I'll send you some screen grabs. Anyhow, the Bernie people are out of control. Here's what I'll say. I'll say I like Bernie. I think he's great. I'm happy to vote for him. I think he's got some great ideas. Uh, you know, he reminds me of many, many members of my family, so it's very comforting. Um, Bernie people are like Trump people online. They're like, there's something wrong with them. Like, sorry, but like, if you tweet about Bernie all day and you like d- that isn't you don't work for the campaign, there's something wrong with you in your life, and you need to like get it like corrected. I have two thoughts about these Bernie people because I've been thinking about it so much because I, I'm probably voting for him. You're probably a Bernie almost, bro. It's almost settled. But I will say I have two big thoughts. Number one is like if your whole life is your candidate, you're not going to be serving the movement very well because you don't have like other information and context. It's like if your whole life is writing about one topic, you're writing about the topic isn't going to be very good in my opinion Yeah, because you don't understand like the other forces that – work in the world and like other people's opinions i mean it's kind of not just like about writing about the topic but it's more like being like i love this topic i don't know a lot about like all of the stuff surrounding it but i really really am interested in this particular concept so i'm going to write about my my version of the concept versus all of the things that inform the thing that i actually like but it's like it's like people we talk about this at work sometimes which is like like we've talked about this which is like we've done the launch we did ces like this has been so great but we haven't really come up for air and at a certain point if you're a writer or a thinker or you have like something about the world you want to do critically like 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 you want to make change you want to say something you want to get your message across you have to come up for air and put other stuff in the machine because if you're just eating and breathing that one thing, you just you don't sound like a human being anymore and you don't like have like reference. And if you don't have human connections, you don't know how to make those human connections about the thing you're passionate about. All of which to say, uh, there was like a thread of people being like, actually, I've compiled some data on the way that Bernie people talk and the way that other candidates people talk. And in the data I've compiled, actually, Hillary people are the worst. And it's like... Mm. This is the reason everyone hates you. <laughs> like, right. Well, doing other- this thing, she's not running. And also, like, 
this kind of like fucking trying to find proof in a like all caps thread about how everybody else is a shitty person for critiquing you at all right. is the reason that like everyone fucking hates you and doesn't want to listen to Bernie. And it's like, I would like them to listen to Bernie. Please stop doing this. Yeah. Oh, well, the other thing is that, that people have transposed their hatred for Hillary onto Elizabeth Warren because of sexism. And it's they like, because she's a lady with short hair who like talks. Literally, if you talk to a normal person who doesn't live on Twitter, they're like, oh, my God, Elizabeth Warren is a socialist who's going to destroy big banks. Like, I'm scared of her. Like, uh, like regular, I mean, old people are, like, scared of Elizabeth Warren, okay, because she's so radical. And so – and she is very radical for a politician who has worked in the U.S. government. Um, and she's done a lot of really radical po- – made a lot of really radical policy uh, uh, changes. Uh, to Bernie people, she is like fucking Uncle Moneybags from right. Monopoly. No, it's like, oh, she's like neo-lib like warmongering. You were a Republican 30 years ago. It's like, okay, so let me get this straight. You are mad because a person who was like, I'm in this party, evaluated the ideals and like methods and uh, uh, policies of that party and was like, actually, this party sucks now and I don't want to be in it and joined the party that you're in. You're like mad they joined your party? You're mad that they had like a change in like 30 years ago, thought. 30 years ago. But I'm just, I don't understand. It's like, don't we want all of the Republicans to go, wait a second, aren't the policies of this party suck and the people who run it suck. Like we should be Democrats. That should be the goal. So like, you can't really knock somebody for switching parties to your party. It's weird. It's like, you're a devout, you're devoutly religious, but you don't want anybody else in your religion. Like, okay. Like you, you don't want, you don't want people to be on the left wing in the left wing, like part of the party. Like, I don't understand it. I, I am not going to vote for Elizabeth Warren. If I've presented with Bernie as another option, but for my own personal reason of like, I didn't like some, like an opinion that she changed recently or clarified. I didn't like how it went. And I also feel like sometimes when she's arguing or debating in public, um, not just on a debate stage, but just when she's talking to reporters through the press about someone or something else, the way that she sometimes like ducks on issues makes me uncomfortable. But that's like a completely personal critique. And like, I also think she's a great person who would be a very good leader. It's just like, given uh, the options on the table, I'm going to go with something else. But like, the kind of reaction that I see from other people who've decided that they don't want to vote for her and are going to vote for Bernie, it's not like, I, I understand I'm like, making myself sound like so rational and like whatever. But when I talk to other people, it's like a thing where they're like, did you know what her a, a vote she cast in 2002 to do this you know program where this happened and in right. fact it ended up being this Every, and, yeah. and and in fact and you're just like okay but like Bernie Bernie likes guns and that's a flaw but like Bernie has flaws too they're human beings you just have to look at them and say like who do I think will win and who do I think will be the best to serve myself and other people out of these options but they're all human beings bernie makes mistakes he's a, he's a huge human well, man I, this is, I think this gets to the core of why where i'm like deeply annoyed which is like it's weird and i am suspicious of you if you like stan a politician like Don't if you're stan if you're like hardcore like this is my identity as this politician like it's it's you know i i agree i mean i agree with your don't stand anything point but like i i feel like I mean, anybody who's defined by something else that is not themselves, and if you're defined by like an artist or a, a fucking you know fashion style or a politician, if that's the way you shape like all of your 
sort of interactions with people and your reality and your personality, like which is what I see a lot of, at least on the internet. But that is a phase that teenagers. But that's do, what I'm saying. And then they grow that, out. That's of. what I'm saying. So I'm like very suspicious and wary of anybody who's like. I mean, to me, like. Being that into Bernie is the same thing as being that into Trump, and both of those things worry me. It's like Bernie is a very flawed politician. He is a great politician in some ways. He is a bad politician in other ways, and he is like you do not want to put all of your eggs in a single politician's basket. What you want is a party that represents certain policies and ideas and ideals and you want to find a way to like pick the best in there. And that's so I'm happy to have the, the primary but and everybody let's, duke it out. Let's- Take a moment and just clarify because I don't want anyone to like pull this out. Yes. But uh, let me clarify that like voting for Trump is ethically and morally worse than voting oh, no, no, for no, no, Bernie. No, 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 no. I don't but mean the, psychologically. Don't mean, don't you're don't, not. It's the same. No, 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 unhealthy I don't mean place. the candidates are in any way alike, and I don't mean that Bernie supporters uh, are would support Trump. Not in any way do I mean that. What I mean is the level of fandom. It's like a lot of fandom yeah. that I see about it is troubling to me and worries me. But I but I feel the same way when I see people talking about Apple that way or talking about Google that way or talking about any single thing that they that is like I mean we wrote a story about fanboys years ago on the verge. It kind of exploring this idea of this like of defining yourself as this like um you know outspoken sort of public facing defender of a brand and it's like it's a very odd thing to be when that brand is ultimately just like or that person is ultimately just like a small part of your overall life in reality brands and companies and fictional characters and fashion styles and artists are not your friends. They are not your god. They are not your guru. Gwyneth Paltrow and Bernie Sanders are not going to tell you the secrets to the universe. They are other people with platforms who have ideas that you can listen to and critique and you can take some of what they have and leave a whole like bunch of it. You can call bullshit on some of it and love some of it. I mean, and if, if anything should teach us that, people who love Marvel movies, I, they're not going to tell you that every no, single it's the one same, is it's the same thing I'm able to sit down and say like ant-man had some flaws i didn't love thor 2 but like mm. i really enjoy these movies and i have bad. a good time disney's think, a bad company like i think if you can't step back and say thor 2 is bad then you got problems you know and you need, yeah. to, you need to evaluate what's going on with you anyhow my point is not to get not to not to take this in a super duper political direction right off the bat but we are in the, we are on the we are in the in the at the moment literally at this moment as we're recording um, you're about to watch the GOP senators um, block witnesses from appearing uh, at this impeachment trial of the president and basically sign off on Donald Trump being able to do whatever he wants in office that he feels is in his best interest. And like, it's pretty fucked up. It's divine right of kings. It is stuff. pretty fucked up and scary because it is actually, that is actually how dictatorships work. Like we're not, this is not like, whoa, we're turning into Nazi Germany or like, whoa, he's a fascist dictator or whatever. Like this is literally how it works. Enabled by other bodies in the government, they decree, they say that the president or the leader is the de facto state and his decisions, whatever they may be, are good for the state. And therefore, whatever he needs to do to get what he wants is acceptable and does not rise to the level of um, uh, uh, being controllable by the laws that we have in our by by what is set out in the constitution or any other laws that that have been that have been created in this country and so like it is really fucking crazy and scary and all i hope like just to cap off this whole politics conversation because i actually don't really want to talk about politics right now 
I mean, there's a bunch of other interesting, fun, weird shit to talk about that we've been covering on input. Um, but what to cap this off, I will say, uh, th- like if you like Bernie, if you like Elizabeth Warren, if you like fucking Buttigieg, whatever, Biden, we the Democrats need to show up in a huge fucking way in the 2020 presidential election. And if they don't, I mean, we are seeding the fucking country to the worst worst fucking crooks liars and and fucking um uh 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 uh, evil men that this country has ever had in power and like it really is like comes down to this i don't care if you love bernie and you want bernie to win and he does and i and if you like elizabeth warren and you're disappointed like you need to go vote but if elizabeth warren is the fucking candidate or biden who we all agree is not the best candidate by a fucking mile by 10 miles we just need to like change what's happening in the government right now. And, it, and you might have to take one for the team, unfortunately. I know everybody's very idealistic, but I don't think you want to keep going down the road that we're going down. So all I really care about at this point and all I can hope for is that that everybody who's so riled up now about politics that you don't like lose your fucking energy because your boy didn't get in or your girl didn't get in, that you actually think for the like about the good of all of the people who are represented by these fucking politicians. Because like the reality is like, what is good for you is not the only thing that exists in the world. And you've got to think about like the other people around you. And like, you can take your fucking ball and go home. Like a lot of Bernie people did in the 2016 election, but you're hurting all of the people that you claim you want to protect. And you're hurting all of the chances for things uh, that we have to get better because you're so like self-obsessed and self-concerned. And that is the opposite of what the Democratic Party has historically represented and should represent and does represent, in my opinion, which is why like, I come from a family of socialists who have voted Democrat for the entire time they've been in this country. And uh, I think that like whether or not you get the best of the Democrats or the worst of the Democrats, it's infinitely better than either of those things on the Republican side. And we need to be really fucking concerned about that. It's like the scene in the movie The Favorite, which came out um, a couple years ago. I'm seeing which... it. Is it going to be a spoiler? No, no, no. There's a scene where the queen is having like an emotional breakdown, and someone, like one of her advisors, like her like choice advisor, says to her, like, like it's like a personal breakdown. Like I have to go deal with matters of the state, and she screams in the woman's face, "I am the state." And we're like at the point where we are making it an insane person, like a fully mentally ill, not well reality television star who's been on amphetamines for decades and like used to come up with fake personas to talk about himself to reporters. We're making we're giving him like the divine right of kings and we're saying that like anything he does, the the, the U.S. government is co-signing the idea that anything he does and that is in his interest is in our interest. And for, first off, that's factually not true. And like history has proven that time and time again that that's not going to work. But also, I worry that like we're so focused on this election and we're so focused about our person winning this contest that I, I don't know that the contest like is real. And I'm starting to think that like Trump's not going to leave office anyway. And like we need to all band together, if not just to vote for a one candidate, but because the sane people in the room need to look at each other and be like, we will do whatever it takes to stop this because this has to stop. And I don't I'm not calling for like going and stockpiling guns and like 
I, that's not what I'm calling for, but I am calling for like, we need to work together and like, like the neo-lib fucking Bloomberg people and the fucking like Bernie bros and the fucking co- people on the compound making ads for PETA <laughs> all need to like look at each other and be like, we've all got our fucking wingnut bullshit. We're all, we've all got some bad takes, but we all realize that we know we, we, that a system that balances all of our concerns out is better than one that like anoints a single person, whoever they are. And we need to like decide that that system of voting and the system of like group control and democratization and and basically encouraging education and involvement about your community is the thing. And if it means creating small local boards and governments and getting involved in local governments and states being ready to break away from the orders of the federal government, we need to be like prepared for that in a real way. And we should have been prepared for that. And frankly, the conservatives were prepared for that. They have had states that just did shit and then apologize or ask for forgiveness later. They have an entire media company that is willing to spew whatever they decide they have whole factions of people with stockpiles and paramilitary bullshit i don't want to go in that direction but they are prepared to do whatever the fuck they want and right now what they want is to like anoint a god king out of an insane person and like we need to create an infrastructure where it, it that mitigates some of the effects of that and i don't i think it starts with us like all agreeing to disagree on some of the smaller potatoes and like find common ground let's be let's get real like you there are there are worse and better democratic candidates but when you think about some of the things that are happening like the trans military ban is one that i think about all the time the fucking this money's being spent on this wall this bullshit wall our immigration policies putting kids in cages now i know obama did shit that was bad too but it has gotten infinitely worse the rise in hate crimes the rise in hate speech the rise in neo-nazi terrorism like these are things that are truly supported and leveled up by the person who's in office right now and not one of the democratic candidates will do what he is doing in the in those regards and the way like if you think about like the push for um gay marriage the push for civil rights for for lgbtq the the community uh, 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 further civil rights for people of color in this country like these are these are things that have been pushed by the Democratic Party hard for a long time not always exactly as fast and as perfectly as we would have liked but they have not been pushed by Republicans right like immigration reform is not being pushed by Republicans it's it's not they want to stop immigration they want to remove immigration well what we're circling around and what I think the thesis of this is is that like and what I think you're saying but even in a bigger way is like we are all (laughs) I am not a Christian but we are all not without some sin and frankly we have all made mistakes and we all have bad ideas and bad takes and we all some of us are still clinging to old bad ideas however if we can all agree on one idea, which is like we should take a vote and then that vote will decide things, let's like cling to that. Because at the moment, we're literally saying that like courts of law shouldn't hold God kings accountable. That's what the government is literally about to vote and say. And that right. is like a state of things we can't even fucking discuss. We can't discuss immigration. This, at that is, this is what I'm saying is that is that. If he's not beholden to, if the president is not beholden to the other uh, um, arms of our government, and not beholden to the rulings of a Supreme Court, which now will basically rule in his favor because he stacked it that way, like we have a bigger problem than like that. You really like Bernie and he didn't win, or you really like Warren and she didn't win. The bigger problem is that like whatever America, and this is true, 
like I, people say this and they're like, oh, you're being ridiculous. You're being insane. You're being absurd. This is true. Like this is fucking true. And we've seen it over the last four, three years. The America that you have grown up with that, you know, for better or worse is going to change and the change will not be positive for most people in this country. It will be positive for the rich, the white, and the powerful, and it will be very bad for everybody else. And I say this like it, from a place of privilege where I get to enjoy a lot of the uh, the luxuries of being – certainly being like a white man in America um, and not wondering where like, my next paycheck is coming from. Like I'm really scared. Like it's really fucking scary to me what's happening. It should be scary to you. Like this is actually like – destroying the thing that America is built on, the idea that America is built on. Like what's happening with the Republicans right now should be way bigger and more scary to you than anything that Biden or Warren or Buttigieg is saying because it is, because it legitimately, clearly, face is. So like, you know, listen, whatever. This is my plea to all of the Everybody out there, like I get it. We we're gonna fucking disagree about shit. But at the end of the day, you need to turn out. We need to have an an overwhelming turnout to vote for whoever is the candidate that is not Donald Trump. And like that's it. Like because otherwise, we're on a path that will not be broken for a very long time and may never be broken, and is like chipping away like the fucking bedrock. I mean, what what we're on a path to is states fully seceding and going to war with each other and like i, I promise know, which you like honestly might be an improvement no no point. no i promise you that is not a world you want to live in you do not well, want to live know. in a world where the united states government does not have some level of cohesion and impact on the world stage we are living in a, an age of nuclear warfare we are living in an age of facial recognition technology we are living in an age of climate change we do not have the time to drop bombs on other fucking states next door to us over shit like fucking trans people being in the military right well i mean it's like we we, like all this old stuff that we should have settled is piling up and i get it but there are things on the horizon that we write about every day about technology that are coming and that are scary and that we need to legislate and work around now because if we don't like peter Thiel's fucking apocalyptic dream of finding and drone striking brown people is going to here's the pot here's my positive final word on this and then we should talk about some things that are less um, terrifying and, th- and life-threatening than what's going on in politics. Um, young people, uh, by very large margins, agree with, uh, that 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 Republican policies are bullshit and um, are lean much more progressive and much more left. Young people largely fucking get it right. People who are teens now who can't vote and people who've just gotten the ability to vote and people who are going to, who are in college or just got out of college and have been maybe have sat shit out and can vote and should. If those people step up and I don't care who energize them, if it's Bernie, fantastic. If they step up and if we continue to like educate and build future generations that are, have fucking functioning brains and see the divide and see what is good for people and what isn't, then like I actually have a lot of hope for this country to get better at treating all of the people who live here like in a way that is humane. I just think that the difference has to be those people show up, right? Like it's not going to be boomers mm-hmm. who fix this. They're, they fucking broke it. They're not going to fix it. It's like everybody from like 40 to fucking 18 those are the people who need to come out and vote. And like that's if they do, then we can solve a lot of these problems pretty fucking quickly. But like that's the big question. You know, they didn't come out 
in 2016. They obviously weren't excited about Hillary. I don't know how much, I mean, 2018 was different. You know, those races would look really, really different. If 2020 looks like 2018, then we have a chance to fix this. I just want people to fucking go vote. I just want them to recognize that if you don't get exactly what you want this time, it's not the end of the world. It might be the fucking end of the world if Trump continues to be president in this country. I think if we can all put our shit aside and whoever is picked, if it is my candidate, if it is your candidate, if it is fucking Tulsi Gabbard, I know it tastes terrible in my mouth as I'm saying. Oh, come on. But come on. Don't be ridiculous. If that was to happen, if we can all come together and say we are voting for someone else and we will not accept a president who postpones an election or says that it, the results are fake or decides to postpone handing over power or whatever, that is a place to start. We can't start undoing any of this if we can't even get yeah, together just, and just, say what we want. Right. Let's just get some control over what's happening in the government right now. And then we can start to actually have real conversations about things like, you know, the Democrats aren't like, we need to make climate change a priority. Nobody's like, uh, I don't know about that. They're all like, here's how I would do it, right? The Republicans are kind of like, I mean, climate change isn't that big of a deal. Like that, so the, the difference is that, and that's what I want everybody to, that's what I hope everybody understands. The difference is not like, we all agree on the basic truths of, of reality. Now let's figure out the, I mean, we're going to debate the right way to solve them, right? There. I don't think there's any Democrat who would say, who is like, you know, every American shouldn't have health care. I guarantee you, if you ask any Democratic candidate, they say every American should be covered. Every American should have health care, right? That's, they agree. The Republicans don't agree with that. The Republicans don't fucking care if every American has health care. Now, the debate is, how do you get everybody to have health care? That's a debate that I'm happy for the Democrats to have. And if they control the White House and the Senate and the Congress, the way the Republicans have, they could actually get legislation fucking passed. But like, if we all sit shit out, like the way Democrats have been sitting shit out, and we let the Republicans uh, run roughshod over us, whether it's gerrymandering or in elections or just by fucking tweaking laws to their benefit, then like it, none of this will ever happen. And, and there will only be like extended pain for people who believe that there should be like a progressive stance that America takes towards how it treats its citizens and how it acts in the world. So like the difference is not like Trump and fucking whoever are the same. They're not. Trump and Hillary are not the same. We would not be having this conversation if Hillary had been elected. I'm not saying Hillary was awesome. I'm saying that she's not Trump. I'm saying that there is a difference between who you elect, but you know, if you don't, it's like there is a difference between the Republicans and the Democrats from a policy perspective. So like all I'm saying is young people, all people don't sit this one out because it will be fucked up if you do like think fucked up things will happen. The likes of which I don't think we can possibly comprehend at this moment. And that is not like panic. This shit's really happening. This is real. Like what's happening right now is real and it's bad. It's bad. It's like fundamentally bad for america and if you can't see that then you're not really paying attention oh my god okay we've got something that isn't this <laughs> also maybe you can cut this down or put it at the end or something like maybe I don't, I don't know i feel a level of social responsibility which is the reason i'm talking about it at all it's like no would so, i like so to do i plug our stories and talk about cool tech gadgets and tell you what awesome things i did with my fiance this week that would be a fun hour but i can't always i i, can't, I couldn't sleep at night if we didn't talk about this on a platform that we have I just couldn't. Mm. Um, mm. In any event, 
in any fascist event. Yeah. Um, All right. What else is going on? You're talking about Elon Musk's uh, club banger. (laughs) Um, I guess they do. (laughs) That's a good transition. That's a way to ease it. There's really nothing to say. I mean, Elon Musk got stoned again. Definitely. Like, I don't know where he's finding the time. He's got like 28 kids and he's like, you know, got another one on the way with Grimes and uh, he's, you know, building rocket ships and uh, new electric cars. But he somehow found time to like bust out reason and do uh, an um actually like a moderately passable like techno track that yeah, he put on fine. soundcloud not bad uh i mean it's not good but it's no. like it's like I, but i wouldn't to- if i heard it in a club i wouldn't be like what the fuck is this i'd be like well another song will come on soon yeah i think it's a testament to how maybe too easy modern software makes it to like produce music that sounds reasonably like music like, yeah. I don't want to be like an old guy with, where it's like, you know, if you don't know how to play guitar, fuck off. But like, I do think it maybe is if Elon Musk can also create like a passable like a club track, you know, like a uh, fucking like house track. Like, I think. Well, it maybe was it's, like maybe one it's of the drag grace queens came out with a house album and it was like all sampled music. But someone found out it was all from one sample pack that they purchased and they were like dragging them across the internet for not doing anything at all original besides like throwing it into an app and letting the algorithm do the work and the other queen was like who cares and it was like oh how dark is this who cares <laughs> no, you know what? What? <laughs> i remember like i remember when like you'd hear like a producer and they'd use like a preset sound from like a keyboard that i knew and i'd be like that's fucking lame that they're using the preset of that <sighs> you know there'd be like these like Whatever. And it's like, but now it's like, I mean, look, I'm not complaining, by the way. I've, I'm like very happy for anybody to go like, you know, fuck around with making music. Uh, anyhow, I'm just saying like, I'd like to know, I'd like to have a little behind the music on Elon Musk's process for getting this uh, track from idea to completion. I assume Grimes was present for some of it, but I don't know. I mean, she is a musician um, who produces, so hard to say anyhow there's not really much to say about it like uh tesla had a great fucking earnings uh great quarter uh, who hasn't i'll say this if you're a major corporation with getting favors done for you by the american government vis-a-vis taxes and fucking uh incentives yeah you're doing fuck. Very, apple had a great quarter amazon had a great quarter all their workers are dying but they are making i mean big amazon bucks. you know crossed nintendo crushed amazon crossed over into the uh, one trillion uh dollar uh market cap area again after its um earnings came out it uh you know is doing incredibly well they beat estimates apple beat estimates um it does seem like very large corporations that get a lot of bad press and people are very like suspicious of their business practices and they are often seen you know either warring with or dining with Donald Trump and his cronies um seem to be doing very well uh, meanwhile like you know Amazon's treatment of like warehouse workers is completely fucking insane and horrible um and uh you know it's like it's a good illustration of what's going on in the world right now. You know, like the world is burning and people are suffering, but Apple's doing great. I moved recently um, and the Fairway Market, which is um, a beloved supermarket in New York, closed because a private equity firm purchased it, ran up $500 million in debt, and then the whole chain of four or five stores closed down. How a couple grocery stores has $500 million in debt, I don't know. But that closed. So we were like, hmm, where are we going to shop? So John and I have been bouncing between Whole Foods and Trader Joe's. 
both of them give you basically a very good experience, affordable-ish prices for high-quality food, large selection. Um, I worked at a Trader Joe's in high school, and it's like a career you can have, like working at a grocery store if it's Trader Joe's. You get full benefits, tons of support, um, pretty fair pay, livable hours. Um you can get mentored in their mentorship program to move up if you are like if your ambitions are higher than what I was hired to do, which was just like move boxes. They literally were like, "Do you want to take management trading courses? Do you want to learn about how we source food?" And that was all really great. And they're a profitable company. Um, Jeff Bezos just cut the healthcare for part-time workers at Whole Foods and shifted a bunch of their staff from full-time to part-time. And right, they're making record profits. And it's not a better store experience. And it, uh, when I go into Whole Foods now, I'm just like, there's something wrong in the system here. Because like Facebook, we've published a few stories recently about Facebook's uh, or and YouTube's like horrifying conditions for their employees. And it's not the employees that they report to you. Like it's not like the ones that are like shiny representatives of the company it's <laughs> who like, you know, get their lunches catered and like live in pods. But it's right. the people who like are actually do the hardest work for those companies. And so it's hard to see all these earnings reports and these glowing reports about Tim Cook being like an operations genius who knows how to like source the cheapest parts without being like to what end? Like to what end are all is all of this? And like not to make it political again, but it's like really hard in the tech space right now to like see people doing it right. And when you do, it's so it's so right. Like Jeff Bezos is a great example. Now, I I I, I sort of like I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase this. I like the concept of Amazon and I do use Amazon to buy things. 100%. So like let me just say, like, I think that Amazon has some really good ideas and is really, really great for a lot of things. And I think that Prime is a pretty cool idea and is really great for a lot of things. But it would not be hard for Amazon making as much money as it does, as much profit, right? Revenue and profit, I mean, as everybody I'm sure listening knows, but if you don't, are two different things. How much money you make versus how much money you actually get to keep is different. But they're making a lot of profit, okay? Like, they are a profitable company. Um, and you know, revenue is meant to be at least, you know, is, is a lot is obviously a lot of that is going back into the company. It wouldn't be hard for Amazon to be way better to its workers and to, um, to invest in more initiatives that help to offset some of the, the bad stuff that it does, right? Like the, the, the shipping kind of debacle that it's put the world into, um, the treatment of I mean it of, killed ten people by hiring legally blind drivers. Yeah, the, the warehouse conditions. Um, even you know Jeff Bezos is the way he's you know giving to charity. For instance, the guy donated like six hundred ninety thousand dollars to fight Australian wildfires. I mean, it could have been it could have been ten million dollars and he wouldn't have felt it, and that would have had a huge impact. So like what what annoys me and what is troubling, I think what everybody's mostly mad about is like it's it would be easy for you to be better, and yet you're not. And I think that, like, you know, the the problem is you get to a point where you you can't just suggest it, right? You 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 get to a place where just saying to Jeff Bezos or writing an article or uh, uh, you know having an op ed published in the New York Times about how you know why aren't these companies doing X Y or Z, 
isn't enough, right? Which is where government regulation ultimately comes in. Not that we should regulate how he gives to charity, but you can regulate better conditions for workers. You can regulate um, uh, uh, fairer policies around shipping and uh, you know, there's a bunch of stuff you can do around taxes, for instance, how much the company pays in taxes. Without a government that you can trust and without – not to – again, not, it's like you said, not to get back to politics. But without a government that supports what the, what, the, um, what the interests of the electorate are, not the interests of big business. I mean, this is the healthcare debate. The health, we don't have universal healthcare in this country. We don't have every American covered because it is lucrative to get people to pay for healthcare. And there's a reason why healthcare costs money, by the way. Like it is a thing that requires people to be paid and drugs to be purchased and procedures to be done. So like there's money there. But the way the money is directed and the way it is regulated and the way the the types of practices uh, that companies are allowed to engage in, those have to be mandated, regulated, um, um, and ultimately in some way owned by the government or, or it's never going to get better. So like the thing is like you could talk like we could say like, well, Amazon's practices are horrible and they should change somewhat. I think until we have a government that understands these problems really, truly and cares about the well-being of the electorate, not just big businesses, not just Wall Street. I mean, Wall Street loves that. I mean, we talk about these earnings. We say, wow, Amazon's, you know, trillion dollar market cap. Those are that's a relatively arcane way of judging the health of something. You know, it is financially healthy, but that doesn't mean it's healthy for the people that it, it, it that it employs or the or the populace that it serves. And so I think like it also mean, doesn't mean it's good for the overall economy. One company making a trillion dollar or having a trillion dollar market cap is not necessarily good for the overall economy if that company is a monopoly and like pushes out all of its competitors and uses unfair practices to incentivize like further growth. That's not like good for the whole economy right right. and it's hard people it's hard to communicate that because people like (laughs) people will walk away with the easiest thing to understand which is like amazon's right and that's and that's that is a metric but it's not the only metric anyhow so the point is like when we talk about that stuff you know it, it does ultimately lead back to a conversation about like can we have representation that actually is good for um people human beings in this country not just um, for the people who, you know, the very rich people who run these, uh, who run these companies. Uh, well, actually what I was also going to bring up, which it is like a, a, a good model to understand what we were just talking about is that the Nintendo switch broke, uh, 52.5 million consoles sold according to Nintendo's reporting, um, which means that it's more popular than the super Nintendo ever was. This number came out and it's like definitely interesting that the Switch is such a huge success and it's worth like analyzing the reasons yeah. why and like Nintendo's strategy of like doing something different than anybody else is doing always seems to pay off. And when they deviate from that, like with the Wii U, it doesn't really pay off. But it's like those laws kind of hold true for other areas of like the tech sector and of like business. And Nintendo will always fascinate me because like they're so uniquely, their story is so uniquely like digestible. And like the Switch is just so easy to understand why it succeeds. It's like they made partnerships with small game developers to bring indie games on. They created a console that like filled a hole in the market that other people weren't. They have like beloved characters and IP that they take care of. You know, like there's they're doing things that like are 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 admirable and they make their success clear. Yeah, well, I think they also did something uh that is now in retrospect, I'm like, oh yeah, this is a really good idea, but I didn't, you, and again, it's like the, the genius of Nintendo, the idea that you basically are getting two consoles 
right? When you buy a Switch, you're like, oh, it's a home yep. console and it's a portable one. And like, that's a really, that's really like pretty attractive for a lot of buyers, I think, where it's like, and it's cheaper than either of those other right, options separately. Right. So are it's kind of like, it's a, it, it does, it, you're right. I mean, it does like become like very obvious. I mean, I, when the Switch came out, I'm like, I, like, I thought it was cool and interesting. And like, I'm like, I don't want it. I don't care about it. I don't need this. It, it is like a combination of like the kind of novelty of the device itself, but also like those more than more than anything, more than the, the AAA like Nintendo titles. Uh, the indie stuff is the thing that attracted me to 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 playing the Switch. Like, you know, my favorite Switch game is Dead Cells, which is a, a an indie game that is not like in any way a AAA kind of thing, but it's like brilliant for the platform. And like we, we wrote about this game, uh, 1980X, uh, which... Is, oh, I just started playing so last good. night and it's and it's so just unique and interesting and well done and just the kind of thing that almost doesn't get like, you know, doesn't get like airtime on the other consoles. It was coming out for some of the other consoles, I guess, but it just doesn't, it's just not the kind of thing. Like when I sit down my, with, with my PlayStation, I'm like, yeah, I want to play Control. Like I want to go into this like big, you know, sort of like this overwhelming experience, but the Switch allows for some experiences that are very different, I think differentiated and valuable in a different way. I said different a lot there. Anyhow, it's interesting, but also, well, you know, it's also, I mean, I did an interview recently for the 10th anniversary of the iPad um, with the two, with the program lead and the software design lead uh, who are a married couple who are no longer at Apple, but they wanted to like reflect on um, that platform and what it meant to bring it into the world and like what people really didn't know about the development of the iPad. But one of the really interesting things that they were talking about was in gaming applications, they brought the iPad around to developers and they were like, okay, but like we don't have, there's no buttons and like no joystick. Like we're going to have to create attachments. And they were like, no, like the whole thing is the button. And like the accelerometer is another input method that you can like enjoy the, like being creative with and like, you know, think about this differently. And it's funny because it's like, if Apple had made a game console in the way that Apple made Apple TV plus, it might have seen success, but it's not the way to like actually serve consumers and and create a market for yourself and like move the needle forward in some respects. Like Apple TV Plus is a clone and Disney and Disney Plus are clones of Netflix. And and that's great. Netflix needs competitors and like they definitely have some innovative ideas that I think like are in small ways iterations on that. But they were talking about how Apple used to and how Steve Jobs is really focused on new like new platforms, new experiences, moving things completely forward, trying something very different and having to evangelize that to other people to be like, no, like not having buttons could be interesting and different. It's not going to replace buttons, but like you could create experiences for the iPad that you couldn't create in other places. And it was the same thing with the phone. And, and it, it to me, that is the side of things that I think like, companies see the most success at but they're also like the hardest but it, it doesn't nintendo made some mistakes with like the wii u but it learned from that and then could create something that other people like weren't making and i mean it, it ties into like I, I i also did i worked on a piece with one of our writers marine about smart kitchens and it's like rather than coming up with a new completely new cooking method smart kitchen like kitchen gadget makers just like throw alexa in a toaster and then they're like, that's $400. And you're like, how does this do anything yeah. for me, though? Like, how is this helpful? And I think, like, we need to look at the the earnings calls and, like, the entire tech sector 
a little critically and being like, what dynamically are you doing? Like, not just, don't just tell me like numbers that you're like, you killed it this quarter on phone sales that you've been selling this phone for 13 years. Like, what do you, what else do you, what else you got? And I think like, right. Right. That's why I've been playing with the Quest a lot recently and I'm working on something about the Quest. But the Quest is funny because it's like I hate Facebook so vehemently, but they did create this really nice package and nothing else can do what it's doing. I mean, it's it's they found a price point and a solution for the whole like you got to plug this into a computer or you got to stick your phone inside of it, both of which for a lot of users are just or plug it into a PlayStation for a lot of users who want to dabble with VR are not going to go the distance on that shit they're just not going to go the extra mile or it seems cumbersome which it actually is the quest kind of hit this this and i think the quest could have gotten there without facebook but certainly having facebook's money and resources i mean i agree with you i fucking hate i truly dislike facebook on so many levels and it's in what it's done to humanity and how it is run and who runs it um but and it's like every time I use the quest, I'm like, what weird data is being collected from know, this that is going to be used to sell me something or I know that you know, it sees all the things in my apartment and I'm like, but who's it telling about what's in my right. apartment? Oh, right. No, no, no. It's 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 a nightmare. It's a total nightmare. But they have actually figured some things out that other people have. I mean, look, an Oculus was way ahead of the curve. Um uh just on on thinking about VR, but but it is about that package of figuring out how to like make the software accessible and the device sort of complete end to end and making it simple for somebody to put it on and go like, okay, I understand what I'm doing here. Um, I think that, that, uh, I mean, that's what Apple's known for when you think about their, their top, one of their top talents is not to invent a completely new category of thing, but to take a category that exists and just tweak it a little bit this way and a little bit that way. So it's kind of perfect. And, um, I think in some way that's, I mean, it's not perfect because the quest well, has don't a lot create, of problems. They don't create new technology. They create new platforms. And that is a difficult and revolutionary thing to do. Well, but it's I mean, also they, 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 easy they, to they, write they, off. Apple does a, hold on. Apple does a little both. I mean, they definitely create new technology. Um, and they definitely create platforms. I mean But they didn't invent like a capacitive screen on a on like a tablet no, device. No, no, no. But, but I mean they but did say if you want to make games for it, we have some thoughts about how this could be good they, and different. They have a lot, but Apple has a lot of patents around things sure. like how that screen works and I'm what talking that screen about their technology like is. Talent is what I mean. Yeah, I mean it is it is synthesis really is their talent, right? I mean what is brilliant about the iPhone um, and we just had, we just, I mean, speaking of, you know, you did that piece about the, the 10 year anniversary of the iPad. Um, what is brilliant about the iPhone and less so on the iPad, but obviously some of this brilliance is there is that is the way that it conceptualizes like how a capacitive screen would work with no physical buttons and keyboard really to speak of, um, you know, and how the software would interact with that kind of hardware uh, arrangement and how it would tap into services. Now, I think Apple for some of its services does a brilliant job for many of them has stumbled. I think mm-hmm. that their in, their music integration, for instance, has been like a decade of total, um, like- It's just very half, weird. Half the assery. way they do that is very weird. It's just bad. It's bad to this day. It remains bad. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I mean, it's gotten better because everybody's moving away from having physical things that need to be turned into digital things or having a collection that exists somewhere on like a local drive. Um, but, but, the, the, but the point is that, that Apple- the synthesis of the of the parts is um, where it becomes kind of the magical thing that Apple does, uh, and the packaging, right? Like 
beautiful packaging matters. I mean, this is something I think about all the time. Like we live in a world that the iPhone is essentially like created and dictated and yet people miss this so often. I mean, like the Quest actually does a pretty good job of putting the complex idea of virtual reality into a pretty beautiful package that is like immediately understandable and somewhat a- attractive. I put my dad in the Quest um, when he came to visit last weekend. They, my parents like surprised me, which was a <laughs> definitely experience. Uh, but they just like showed up at my apartment and I was like, oh, hi. And so we were just hanging out and like we booked dinner reservations and we had like 40 minutes to wait for them. And so we were just hanging out in my apartment and my, I was like, so my dad was like, so what have you seen at work? Tell me about what like happened at CES. And I was like telling him about new technologies and I was like, Oh, I kind of have something to show you. Have you ever done VR? And I think I like tried to get him to do the PlayStation one. And he was like, hell no, these glowing ball sticks. Like I'm not doing that. But the ingenious thing about the quest is that like, it's soft, like it's made of fabric and it's, one package and you understand that you just put the goggles on and you sh- you'll be pretty good like it will give you instructions from there and he put it on and i put him in the like in the like intro like first steps app or whatever and he was so delighted and like thrilled to like throw a ball or like pick up a paper airplane and throw it or whatever because he finally like understood and because the device was like sort of warm and made of materials that were familiar to him he wanted to like explore it and give it a try and i think something apple did which was like making tech look like jewelry was a real development of being like i want to have this around me it's pretty and i'll figure like i'm motivated to like learn how it works and stuff I mean, it's it's a question of like, can you make can you endear people to a product a lot of the time? You know, like, can you make someone love a product, um, even if the product isn't that perfect? And I think that Apple has been expert at that. I mean, I have a lot of <laughs> a lot of complaints about my iPhone. The most recent one have being that um, somehow the uh, latest update for the iPhone has completely destroyed my ability to use uh, Google Keyboard, which is aggravating because apple's keyboard sucks now really bad apple's autocorrect is gotten nuts. so bad in the last few years it's shocking. it's out of control i mean it really is like had do does it's anybody so at apple use the keyboard like what is going on like are they all they all use the third-party keyboards over there or something because it's really not i mean even just the way that it decides what I was live tweeting the Grammys and I was tweeting about Alicia Keys and I had this like thread about her going. And because I was like doing it quickly, I didn't realize that it was adding an extra E to her name. And it was because I had someone in my contacts that had that last name. But very obviously, I was talking about Alicia Keys, the known celebrity. And also, the word keys is not spelled the way that my contacts last name right. is spelled. So, at what point did my keyboard decide it was just going to go in and change yeah, that? It's very and it, upsetting. I find it that I have to like proofread basic text messages to my mother. It's so bad. Yeah. Um, it's gotten really, really. No, like, I, I have like a, a high level of anxiety when I when I'm using the regular Apple keyboard, which now is I'm forced to because literally Gboard like crashes in the new update. I mean, this is like the second time that they've done an update um, and messed up third-party keyboard integration, which to me is highly suspicious. Like the keyboards were working fine. Then they did the latest, um, you know, major software version and they were all broken. Then they're like, oh, we issued an update for it. And now it's broken again. And I mean, maybe I can blame Google for this, but I'm going to, blame apple <laughs> right, what else is what else has happened that we need to talk about there's um i'm so see, i'm so disheartened thinking about the p- political landscape right now i just want to curl into a ball did you see this PETA thing with puxatani phil 
Oh, yes. I'm very excited. I mean, I think, yeah. They want to pop out Phil and they want to pop in at Ibo. I think here's the biggest problem with the idea. The idea is this. Wait, wait, want, explain the idea. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to explain. Okay. So PETA is like, Punxsutawney Phil is an abused animal and he shouldn't be uh, held in captivity and this is wrong. I mean, obviously, PETA is very well known for having very strong opinions about animal rights, which I'm all for and I agree with them, like, basically on everything. Um, like, like if, if like somebody was like, it's been made illegal to eat, you know, any animal, I'd be like, that's fine and right and good. And I'm happy with that. And like, it doesn't bother me at all. Like, um, but they're like, we should replace Punxsutawney Phil with an AI powered animatronic version of Punxsutawney Phil that can really Mm -hmm. predict the weather. And it's like, just so my number one, first off, my number one problem is like, no, no, just nobody wants this. And this like completely, I mean, the whole idea is it's like an actual animal. Okay. Like that's the whole thing. The whole, the magical the whole, fairy like, tale. Yeah. But the other thing is like, if it can accurately predict the weather, like that takes all of the fun out of seeing if the fucking dumbass animal is right. Like the thrill is some animal, which definitely has no idea what weather is you know, beyond like its own comfort or lack thereof is like, we think like the animal is going to somehow know about what's happening. It's like a hilarious and really dumb idea. That's like from another, you know, another generation. It's like literally adjacent to people like thinking like the sun is a God or whatever, you know, it's like the animal will guide us. Will, will we have more winter? Let's get the, let's get the groundhog out and to, and what? How do they? I don't even know how they determine if it sees its shadow. Like it looks over. Like anyhow, the point is the thrill of the thrill of Punxsutawney Phil is that he's a dumb groundhog who shows up, does something that re- truly has no meaning, and then we ascribe a bunch of mystical shit and like uh, hilarious sort of you know uh, we intuit something from this you know completely meaningless act. And like if you if it's a, if it's a robot that knows the weather, then there's nothing nothing uh whimsical or magical <laughs> about it at all it doesn't seem like us like the spirit of the groundhog is speaking to us it's just like oh the robot said we're gonna have more snow like i can go on weather.com and get that information okay i want to be carried to a magical world where the where animals are commune with nature in a way that we can't possibly fathom but it's also like hey Peta, um could you take like all the effort you put into this whole stunt and just like help raise awareness about impossible foods? Like, do you want to move the needle on animal rights, or do you just? Like, well, I don't know if you heard. People to tweet about you. I don't know if you heard, but the um, the impossible nuggets that they're working on for KFC aren't vegan. So, oh boy, bad. that's gonna be bad news for everybody. That'd be bad oh. news when I'm jamming them into my mouth twenty at a time. <laughs> Fuck dipping, putting some fucking dipping sauces all over those motherfuckers. When Dipper starts carrying them nugs, I'm gonna fucking, I'm gonna dip those fucking nuggets in so many sauces. <laughs> the sauces won't know what hit them, but it'll be a, it'll have been a nugget. This sauces will need a rights group. Yeah, <laughs> sauces are gonna have to fucking, yeah, like litigate against me for abuse. <laughs> Anyhow, I'm excited about the fake nuggets. Basically, is what I'm saying. And I'm not mad that they're not vegan because I live in a world where, you know, not everything's going to be vegan. Yeah, I'm not knocking vegans. Fine, do whatever, do your thing. You know, like listen, Bill Clinton. Lot, I'm a vegetarian. Bill Clinton looks great. You know, 
vegetarian for a long time, but I have a leather belt and I'm not fucking giving it back. So. Well, listen, you got to use the whole animal, as they say. Leather tends to go to waste. So no one else is yeah, going to use sure. it. Ugh, I'm so annoyed. I have a Bluetooth mouse that has intermittently is intermittently working and I can't scroll. I was looking at our things that are topics for us, but now I can't look at them anymore. So you'll have to inform me. What else is there to talk about? Is there anything else to talk about? I mean, there's just so much. I feel like there is. About. The Razor, the new Razor is coming out on February 6th. Everybody's everybody's going to finally get people to want handle the, the razor. razor. People want the razor. People, non-techie people want the razor. You mm-hmm. know, everybody's everybody's jazzed about the razor. I think the only problem with the razor is that people are going to realize it's a mediocre Android phone that doesn't have iMessage, and they're going to be like, "Oh yeah, I can't use the razor." Well, I think the thing about it is that it's going to put into people's minds that that's a form factor that they want and then apple will in four to five years have a version of their phone where they're like you can fold it and put it in your pocket and then everyone's gonna be like this fucking rules man but right now i mean maybe honestly the folding feels like a little bit of a stopgap. i mean it feels like not really i mean to be honest with you it's cool and i like the idea of it and like i miss being able to flip open and snap close a razor but but I think most people feel very good about the idea of the way the iPhone is is designed. I think if it was smaller, if it was smaller and it fit in your pocket smaller, and you had not like much less compromises than currently you have in order to get that done, if they can get it to a place where that's just an added thing that it's smaller, people do not like that their phones are so huge. They just don't. Uh, I mean that's true. I think, but then you you still have a large phone. It yeah. just folds up. And I would like that. I would like a large you know phone that like can go the phone in my still, But the phone's ultimately still big. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Just because you can fold it doesn't mean that when you actually use the phone, it's not going to be gigantic. Sure. I just don't like that it's so big in my pants. <laughs> okay. I don't mind it being big in the pants. Uh, you know, in fact, I prefer it to be big in the pants. And uh, I like to know it's there. I like to know that I got something I'm to work with, you know? <laughs> And See, I want a grower, um, not a shower. So, uh-huh. I hear what you're saying. I understand. You know, you know, you want to be surprised. You want something to surprise you, yeah. to pop out and surprise you. Um, and that's totally understandable. And I love to, you know, you, you love to see the the razor at its full length. But um I just think that I don't know if Apple would would I don't think I don't see Apple doing a folding phone. That's just, I'm gonna put my official uh here's my official opinion. I don't think Apple's going to do a folding phone ever. I think Apple will take it to whatever that. Uh, yeah, I don't think ever. I don't think they'll ever do a folding phone. I think that they're they will find as I think every folding phone maker is going to find that the technology, getting the technology to be seamless, every pun intended, uh, and work consistently, is a much larger engineering challenge than the concept is worth. Meaning, there's probably something after the concept of a folding phone that is like you know liquid there is phone. no what liquid phone no or like it's like the phone that all the phone is is a screen that's a receiver for like because we live in a high bandwidth world where the processing no longer even has to be done on device and we figured out like secure cloud communication or whatever and so all processing is done in like a server farm somewhere and like beamed instantaneously with like no lag whatsoever to your phone, which now is really just like a screen and a receiver and a transmitter. Yeah, no, I want the opposite. I don't like that at all. Well, I'm just saying like something like that, but then eventually, you know, it's going to be like, is the phone, is there even a phone? 
You know, is it like every surface has something or like there's a, a it's like a, not a scroll, but maybe it's like a, I don't know. I'm not sure. But like, is it a phone? I don't know. You know, maybe it's like between the watch and the thing in your ear and like the fact that every service is now a display that automatically recognizes who you are and puts up content that only you can see. You know, you're at your local Starbucks that the, 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 the window is a display, but it, it's got some kind of like privacy, like uh, holographic privacy layer. You know, you know where I'm going with this, don't you? <laughs> yeah, you're going. Seen this? You're going to like fucking Minority Report. Have you seen Picard? Picard is full of shit like this. <laughs> Picard is like, but we should talk about Picard. Picard is full of shit where it's like people just like they like whip out. It looks like a it looks like a fan that you're gonna like you know cool yourself off with, but it's actually like a holographic floating display. I have a lot of questions, and I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. There's really very. I'm not going to do any spoilers for Picard right now, but I have a lot of questions about like. The beaming beaming technology in, in Picard suggests that like people can kind of beam anywhere they want. Like they beam into rooms. It's like, I feel like how do you control where and when you can beam into places? Like, because I feel like there'd be a lot of people beaming into like bedrooms while people are getting it on. That's what I feel like would be going on. <laughs> a lot of people beaming into like bank vaults, you know. I guess they don't have money anymore, so it doesn't really matter. Like, right? Nobody's using bank vaults because there's no money in them. Maybe you but, create a no beam zone. Well, that's what I'm saying. But like, how do you create the no beam zone? I don't know. Like, I mean, this is tachyon, the- tachyon particles. Just when you go a little there. too far into fantasy or sci-fi, there's a reason that those things like physically don't actually exist. And it, it, it kind of breaks down storytelling to a certain degree. I mean, this happened on like worse written fantasy shows that I watched as a teenager, something like Charmed, where like, you know, you can just teleport anywhere and I can summon whatever I want. And if I rhyme, then it happens. And it's like, well, at that point, you're like an omnipotent godhead yeah. who like consumes the universe within your own id. Yeah. And like, uh, so what are we doing here? And, the, you know, Charmed used it to get them in bikinis. But it's just, I can't yeah. do Star, the new Star Trek Picard because I just can't take any more disappointment. Wait, you're not watching I, in my it? Life, you're not watching it? I can't. I haven't watched it. I'm watching it. it. And it is um, not disappointing, but it's also not good. I mean, I hate to say it. My review is like, it's got some stuff that is like fun and interesting, but it also has a lot of stuff that is like kind of good and sort of like, there's a ton of like, instead of doing the plot, they're doing a lot of like like exposition of like explaining the plot. It's like, they're trying to fill in a lot of like blanks for us, but instead of doing it in a really like creative, like artistic uh, subtle way. It's like, Picard, remember five years ago when you had this thing happen that you didn't understand? Well, now we have an explanation for it. And Picard's like, wow, okay. That means that now we can go <laughs> and find this lost thing that I've always wanted to get or whatever. And it's like, okay, guys, like, could you do it? I and mean, they, they actually start the second episode with a flashback, which does a much, much, much better job of illustrating things that are discussed in the first episode. So I'm kind. I was kind of like, why didn't we do something like this to start things off? And there are a lot of show uh, shows being made, and like the basics of t- storytelling, which is like strong characters and like interesting, you know, ideas to explore for those characters and new situations for them to be in like kind of go out the window <laughs> yeah i mean like, like i've been i've been watching the outsider also i don't know if you're watching that but um stephen king uh book that has been turned into an hbo like it's basically like a true detective style show um and it's like it, it, 
they're really you really kind of are like wow like really good stories are truly hard to come by like really compelling stories with really compelling characters that actually move you along and don't have you going like mm, i don't know about that like are actually much rarer than i think we all think they are you know yeah like i've tried like a million times to watch so many shows where i'm just like yeah this is not good yeah. like the witcher people are like the witcher it's like the Witcher's bad the Witcher like, and the Mandalorian Sabrina, are the same show. Sabrina, it's bad. It's not a good show. The stories are dumb. Everything is about like the intricacies of some like BS religion that doesn't exist. I know. It's like I can't sink my teeth into you guys debating like the merits of your weird religion that isn't real and doesn't exist and doesn't matter and has no stakes. Yeah. Um, you know, and that like, you're making I up just, as you go along. And that's the thing, right. too, especially when characters have no strong consistency. Like, the great thing about Buffy is that you knew who every single character was and they were really strong. And every choice they make, it made sense for them and what motivates them and their history and weird little things that happened two seasons ago would tie in and it would be part of a larger tapestry of that perspective on the world. And, like, so when you were like, uh, the, you know, the musical demons here, it was actually so moving and touching because you're like, this is how each person would react to this. But when you don't have strong characters and you're just like Sabrina has three boys that like her and she's decided she doesn't like boys but then she picks a different boy and you're like wow. what is that okay, hey spoiler alert what are we talking about yeah I mean it's just so anyhow like yeah a lot of modern entertainment or at least a lot of entertainment at this point feels um like we're feeling oh wow Mur Murkowski hold on sorry I'm just seeing this uh, stuff live Murkowski says no okay cool the worst these people the GOP is the worst traitors the worst traitors they're so bad i mean people don't even i feel like people don't fully realize what is actually happening sorry not to get off topic here as we were talking sabrina a great topic um but like the the sorry just happened to flip on to the new york times for a second um the yeah tv is very i think very poor right now there's a, not a lot that's good that's going on i do think that we went from the golden um, age to the silver age to like the tv bubble so fast like it's crazy Yes. Yeah, I mean, uh, Edgar 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 wrote a piece about this um, earlier in the week about the kind of that we're drowning in the sea of content, and like I think it's true that not only are we like there's an overwhelming amount of content that's out there for people, and a lot of it is not good, but like the discovery systems and the ways of getting to that content and the services that you need to um, be subscribing to or thinking about in order to do it has just become is be, is becoming so overwhelming that I think we're going to see. In the next few years, pretty a pretty rapid like rethinking of this strategy where everybody has their subscription service and everybody's subscribing to multiple things. I think you're going to see the breakdown of that model happen really quickly. I mean, we're currently in like the Atari of the 70s, which is just like anything that we want to anything anyone makes, we're going to throw up there just in case it works. And like people will will see through the lack of quality and like curation very quickly yeah. and i understand we all like tv and it's way more integrated in our lives than video games were but there will be a turning point where people will just that there will be a turning point where like there will be a reckoning of some kind because people are not going to be shelling out 15 dollars for a million different services if every show is of the quality of right. riverdale yeah no i mean it's 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 unsustainable anyhow all right anything else we should discuss let's talk about nice things oh nice things I love I love talking about nice things. You want to go first? So um, my main nice thing this week I'll be highlighting is a podcast because podcasts continue to – that's a certainly an area of content where um, creators can make and throw as much shit at the wall as they want. But uh, 
there's less lift to it. So people with good ideas can eventually get something out there. Um, I truly love podcasting. Distributed platforms love it. Uh, but a new podcast that I absolutely adore is called Ask Rana. Um, it is a podcast hosted by a fictional character um, called uh, Rana Glickman, who is sort of like an old Jewish mother from Massachusetts who has flawless taste and admit, will never admit she's wrong. And uh, and she it's basically her and Brian Safi of Throwing Shade taking uh, advice questions every week with a guest and answering them. And there's it's so insightful. And, and having a character through which to voice, like, both your opinions, but also, like, to filter your viewpoint through is such an interesting thing, especially with something like giving advice. I mean, it, it, to put on a persona to give advice is such an odd idea. And it's so funny. And I, I don't know how to explain why it's so good to you, but you have to go listen to it. I mean, they just give recommendations of like luxury items that a wealthy Jewish woman from like Boston would purchase on her trip to Europe. And the, 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 the bon mots of like, insight into why one would purchase this luxury item over the other one and like your it's place in your philosophical world and like the intricacies of human relationships is so weird and funny and brian safi um has always been kind of a delight on a podcast and he's such a perfect foil for this know-it-all character um it's called ask rana with rana and brian and it's so wonderful and their guests are so perplexed by them and this week they had on um the guy from superstore ben feldman and he is just such a different he's like a straight guy who like has like a wife and kids and he's just from such a different perspective than both the character and brian the person and to hear them talk about people's problems like one one of the listeners wrote in about how she's a doctor an autism doctor for kids and one of her husband's um nephews is showing a ton of symptoms and nobody in the family is addressing it and the husband told her not to say anything and she's like okay but this kid is going to grow up pretty fast and i have the resources to like change this kid's whole life and outlook but everyone will hate me if i do it and it might like cause a divorce and it was just like an interesting problem to have to pick apart and come up with strategies for and it's just it's really it's delightful. And, mm. and, and if that's not a problem that occurs in your life that you could apply your, the advice to, the advice is like so large and encompassing about like priorities in life and like relationships and funny that it doesn't matter. And you can walk away with like such good insight. So I, I would highly recommend everyone go listen to it. And when you are addicted to it, please at me on Twitter and tell me that you love it. Wow. And at Rana and tell her I recommended it so I can be on the show. Wow. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting plug there at the end. Very good. Um, so my nice thing is like actually sort of on the topic we were just discussing like laura and i have been going back and watching six feet under um and oh, yeah. i don't know if we ever talked about this on the show i feel like we have at some point but flawless um, finale yeah i mean flawless finale um speaking of finales i have to finish watching the good place finale um, oh i cried the whole time yeah it seems like a real tearjerker which i kind of don't go in for on uh, sitcoms but uh it's so good but six feet under is like an incredible show i feel like it's been somewhat lost in the sign of sort of sands of time of like prestige television it is one of the first like truly great like golden era prestige shows um you know it's sort of like in the sopranos it's up there with sopranos yeah. and mad men and yeah and, and it just like it's really really fucking good it is very weird it is both like serialized and episodic in nature it has like incredible character development. It has incredible performances. 
it is like it pushes all kinds of weird boundaries that definitely when it was on the air were boundaries and even to this day some of them are still boundaries and it's just like incredible storytelling like and i feel like it's so subtle it's so it's so like concerned with a kind of like human interaction that so few shows actually explore um that it's just like a nice break from where everything has to be like the big idea show like every show that that you watch now is like you're kind of like okay just um when are we going to get to like the reveal like the big thing that happens where you're like oh my god like the show the outsider that I was talking about it's like very well produced very well directed wonderful acting really interesting story some really like kind of scary gruesome parts but like the whole time I'm like all right let's get to the big reveal let's get to like thing. the big thing and like even with like the first the first season of true detective I felt like Yes, the show was about like solving the mystery, but the mystery was like very it felt in many ways secondary to the way they developed and explored those characters over time. And it just felt like the yes, it was important to figure out what was going on with these murders, but also like you were happy to live in the episodes that weren't really about them necessarily or that were focused on that kind of character development. And, and like a show like Six Feet Under just reminds me that there's so much that you can do. Um with there's so much you can do with with the with the with the medium and it feels like there's so little that's actually being done with it right now in so many ways i thought we wrote a great piece speaking not to to, to take this back to pieces we've written but um there was a great piece that we did about um how netflix kind of the way that it evaluates success of shows actually pushes out some of those like newer fresher more differentiated voices um that they say they really want to support and give a platform to. And I think that like in the early days of HBO, when HBO was finding like figuring out what it really did best, it did give license and room for so many things that never would have flown on network television or anywhere else. Um, and that was the stuff that made the difference. And I do think it's like I mean, now. Yeah. Jay, Jay Fergus wrote this piece. I definitely want to credit them uh, because it was about how like the algorithm looks for specific things that you could program into it like did you watch the two of these comedy specials in this show then we'll show you this thing by a small like a you know a lesbian of color who created a beautiful fairy tale love story and it won't show it to anybody else even though they probably would find something to connect with it because in the surface algorithmic like tags that's not something that you quote unquote like um yeah exactly i mean Anyhow, whereas HBO editors like HBO creatives for a, a while were able to look at the show and be like, it's about family bonds and we don't have a show about family bonds. And so we'll write this beautiful love story about family and like that will be our programming thing. And they weren't necessarily looking at it of like, we don't have enough shows with lesbians. Yeah. It's just it's like yeah. not the way to make TV. Anyhow, so I guess, my, I guess my nice thing is Six Feet Under. I recommend everybody goes back. If you haven't seen it, honestly, if you haven't seen it ever. It's so worth the time. So interesting. I mean, it's not for everybody, but I think it's super fucking good. And if you've seen it, if you haven't seen it in a while, it's like definitely worth revisiting. It's really an interesting, um, just different way of of looking at, uh, you know, looking at how you can tell a story. Yeah. Well, all okay. right. Great. Well, Bye. now it's time to go and watch the destruction of the uh, U.S. government.
Well, that is our show for this week. We'll be back next week with more tomorrow. And as always, I wish you and your family the very best. But if your family lives in America, things aren't looking that good right now. <laughs>